Hey everyone, I'm Karen Walby Solomon, and welcome to What's IGN Crushing On, IGN Africa's official entertainment podcast. I'm your host, and I'm joined as always by my producer and editor Rebecca Barchers. So, this is a show where we discuss all things entertainment and pop culture with a new guest every week. We bring recommendations, news, and fun facts sometimes touching on the more serious issues surrounding these topics. And you shouldn't do it just because somebody wants you to. What's most important is that you are treated with dignity and respect. You're special, Ray. You have a talent they call genius. You How old is she? She's 10, but her voice is going on 30, honey. How many albums have you had? And no hits. I need you to focus and avoid frivolous distractions. Honey, find the songs that move you. Until you do that, you ain't going nowhere. I need a change. I want to sing what I want to sing. A single by this new chick named Aretha Franklin. You're not about to mess this up for me. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Aretha Franklin. This song goes out to anyone who's ever felt mistreated. I used to feel. You need to take a break. I know how to run my business. Have you lost your mind? Maybe I found it. I believe I have the chills. Do you see what she is? She's a miracle. That was the trailer for Respect, the Aretha Franklin biopic currently in cinemas, directed by South African director Liesl Tommy and starring Jennifer Hudson, Forrest Whitaker, lots of other famous people. It is really good. And later on in the episode, we'll be chatting to Liesl Tommy about the film, Aretha, and so much more. Um, but otherwise, welcome to episode three. It's me, Karen. I'm joined by Rebecca and Leanne again. And you guys look fresh and lovely. The sun is like out. It's, it's a bit of a lie, eh? I'm literally in bed. Well, I mean, you look... <laughs> maybe I should say it. you look like you bathe yeah. regularly. 
Compared, <laughs> um, thank you. Compared to some <laughs> other celebrities that we've been finding out about lately, um, yeah, I'm just so I don't know if you guys have been following. So, so I've obviously I've um I've been having a tough couple of weeks, but and I haven't been spending a lot of time on social media. But what I did notice, actually, I was saying this to Leanne earlier, but. The first thing I noticed, Rebecca, I don't know how you feel about this, is that there have been people thirsting mm. over um, Rassi You know, I've had, like, I can't judge. I've had some weird celebrity crashes in my lifetime. But. Do you know, this is how you know the pandemic's been going on for too long <laughs> and sports people are like dying for any sort of like stimulation. <laughs> Because I've like I've heard people talking about how tall he is and um <laughs> and like I don't know he's just so cool and I'm like guys, fathan an. You sure this start this wasn't started by like some person just taking making a joke and then it someone could just, have, you know, but the amount of people who felt it was okay um, after that to admit to having that crash. You know? <laughs> Like, oh, I can, I can yeah. talk about this openly now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's someone else. But this is Johan Rassi Erasmus, the South African rugby union coach yeah. and former player. Okay. I I'm feel like it was because he was defending the Springboks and, like, doing them things for the nation. And so people were like, that's hot. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we must judge. Like, I've, well, we've all had problematic crashes, so we can't... Um, uh, we, yeah, where do uh, I see it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh no. I mean, I can see the charm. We were really... like be quite charming, potentially, and a good yeah, sense, of sense of humor. And the height does help, you know. Height always makes makes a bit. And of I'm not gonna lie, like in chasing the sun, we swears. Like I was also like, whoa, bro. Well, I didn't. I not in that kind of whoa, bro. But it just like took me off guard, and I feel like that also could be like. You know, once once you start getting like seeing different sides to people, you know, you start yeah. surprise and delight. So yeah, so that was the one thing that I was like, even in my haze of of grief and busyness, I was like, what now? And then the second thing that I was like, what now? Is all the celebrities admitting yeah. to not like bathing? Like it's one thing to not bathe; it's another thing oh to admit God. to doing it. Like I'm just confused as to why okay so I know it started on mm. the Dak Shepherd podcast and it was was Ashton and Mila and they were chatting about it and all of a sudden it became a thing and then since then a bunch of other stars have come out on where they stand on bathing and not bathing because mm. apparently that's a thing we have to debate but I'm confused as to like why it's such a big mm. like why it's such a succession of it because normally it's like oh this crazy star said a crazy thing and then you keep it moving but the fact that yeah. it's become a broader conversation topic. I think it's like the Russia Russia thing, like because somebody else admitted to it, everybody else thinks it's like, okay, no, they also admit to it. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. okay. But I think it's like at the same time, like with Gwyneth Paltrow's goop show, you know, she mm. spoke about how how we as humans, there are different ways of doing things naturally mm. and whatever. And I feel like it's another, it's another, like not fad, but it's another topic that for for us, 
here in Cape Town, we're like, if you stink, you wash, or, you know, it's the morning, you need to go shower. It's not a, it doesn't seem like a big enough topic for me here as a Cape Townian, you know, unless there's a drought and you have to use the white. Um, So, like, there's enough discussion about it. But like this, this non-bathing thing, I think has come come from this how to be too clean is is actually bad for your immune system, and so it's like another, it's almost like another health fad, you know, that people can cling on to. Uh, um, to go on your point about the drought, like I have heard like some theories that there's a drought in California right now, and it could be like some kind of like um, oh, PR stunt. Yeah. But then I've also heard that there's like. There are some celebrities that stylists have said don't wash enough <laughs> because they say like they just sometimes they may be too busy, you know, their parents, they have kids, you know, you know, there's other things going on. But like And they okay. just But like I'm just like washing children. Like Yeah. When they're small or they're dirty. It it was also interesting because I remember because this debate came up a while ago. With the back. washing legs. And I remember there was a, the, yeah, about showering and bathing. And there was a reply all episode that kind of went down a rabbit hole. Where basically someone had tweeted that, like, the difference between showering and not showering and whether you view that as essential also is, like, very mm. classist. Mm. So poor people or lower class people have to bath, like, have to shower, have to be clean because it adds to their credibility, whereas wealthy people being able to not shower and still get away with it is because they move mm. through the world differently and it's a different type of privilege. And I just mm. thought it was such an interesting take given how people are responding to the news mm. of like Jake Gyllenhaal not showering or Mila Kunis and not watching the kids. Like it's just, it's an interesting perspective on it, I suppose. I don't get the not smelling yeah. thing because I feel like you can get used <clears throat> to a bad smell. Do you know what I mean? Like if your child does... Yeah. Oh. And also, most people can't. You think people. But also, you can't smell mm. yourself. It's very rare that you can smell because you acclimatize to your own odor. Mm. So, yeah, it's just been like. I don't know. I'm. Uh, I, I try not to be on the point of judging others and their decisions. But what you said about the, um, about the lower. I mean, about the classes thing is so true. Because if you already come from a mm-hmm. from a less advantaged background and you and you also aware of the fact that you're not clean and that you haven't you know, we all know what it's like mm-hmm. to feel refreshed and you know, having had a shower, how that mm-hmm. makes you feel. But if you already come from that sort of background and yeah. you already feel like you're on a back foot, we already feel like you're being judged, that just adds to that. Yeah, it's like if you are poorer and you want to wear baggy mm-hmm. sweatpants. You know, then people view in a view in a different way to a celebrity who's going to wear, like, what was it, Kanye West? Um, he designed that line where it was essentially based on people mm. of, of the streets. It was like just knapsacks yeah. or whatever. I don't want well, a knapsack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like potato sacks. It's and that was a Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, it's such a good part in Zoolander. <laughs> what, what is it called? Um, Derelict. <laughs> man i could watch zoolander in the back in the background and just enjoy it i'd play it over and over so and so what it. is your like so going off that like what would you say what is your 
your comfort watches, like the things that you keep on. Because, I mean, I think that's something that people have spoken about a lot during the pandemic is like they they saw themselves re-watching mm. either the same TV shows that they'd seen before, or the same movies, because that's yeah. what comforted them in like difficult times. So you were like, you were saying like Zoolander, yeah. but what other things? For sure, friends, man. Um, I nearly said where everybody knows your name. That's cheers. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but what is the theme to you? Oh, but I put that on. I put that on in the in the background. And you, noise. I um, I um, no. For me too. Like if I'm feeling especially like sad or stressed, then it's like it's the episodes of Friends where where we Monica and Chandler get together, and then that that series of episodes yeah. between that and and <laughs> how and everybody finding out. Um, yeah, but also like. My eyes, my eyes. Uh, it took me, it gave me so much joy in the Friends reunion that they that they redid that scene. I was like, oh my gosh, my guys. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, the, table the, table, the table read, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that was a good episode. Yeah, it was good really well done. Succession of it. But also, um, for me, it's like a lot of a lot of movies as well. So like the night before my birthday, I went in and I watched like Ten Things I Hate About You Again. And it just gave me so much joy again. Okay. And like um, the other day, I, I rewatched Notting Hill, and it's it's like those those movies that you know what the endings are, but the end, the endings just make you so happy. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, that's basically my mm-hmm. um, my comfort stuff. And Yulia, um, series definitely like Parks and Rec or mm. happy endings like anything in that genre um movies would be like the mm. holiday and uh-huh. pride and prejudice either the yes. six hour bbc version if i have all of the time or the the 2015 yeah. kira knightley version like i just pride and prejudice mm. is Me my too, comfort though. food oh, wow. y'all know yeah. jane austen is my hopeful life <laughs> <laughs> I know, I fucking pride and pages. I'm I actually I really do like the, the, the BBC version, but for me the best one is I like it could be a sec a kid and I it's just the such a bad version. Have you seen all the porn about my like, girl, I read the fan fiction. I don't even know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, what? no, no. It's, it's like because there's oh, no like, like like actual intimate moments, but it's just like yeah, he touches her hand and then he like goes like this afterwards and it's just like this a yeah, like, that is the most okay. Best five seconds of cinema ever. Like, is, yeah, no, it's, it's so good. Um, I also like. I'm gonna. I, I try and keep me like keep me quiet, but like I actually watch when I'm like when I need to pass the time. I watch a lot of Love Island, Love Island, new season, Love Island. I've been catching up on old seasons. I've been watching Love Island season two, and like it's just. Just watching other people make messes of their lives and like just do it in front of me. It's just it's so much easier than dealing with the mess that is my own life. So I can I can pretend to be as highbrow as I can, but I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Not not even a little, but not even at all. Um <laughs> I mean, my comfort show during the pandemic was The Good Witch. And I'm just bleak because I finished like all five seasons on Netflix. Because it's like the perfect stupid thing. Oh, and then the other one that I do love is Virgin Oh, you my mom. Virgin River. Terrible, wholesome, cheesy, like small American town life. Give me that <laughs> nonsense. I love yeah. it. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But like, uh, so so like to go into today's interview. So Liesl Tommy is she's from originally from Cape Town, and her family moved to the U.S. when she was about fifteen. I want to say like a teenager still. And like she's gone on to act, and she's gone on to direct. She was the first like African American um, director of a, I want to say a play to be nominated for a Tony, and um, she's oh, wow. and now she's directing like this big biopic about Aretha Franklin. And the big thing about this this biopic, um, which I actually spoke to her about in the interview, was that when Aretha Franklin was still alive. They asked her who she'd want to play her to play her in a movie, and she said Jennifer Hudson. So many people see this film oh, wow. as like sort of like being um, blessed by Aretha. Yeah, this is the film Aretha that she wanted. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and there's a lot of wish, like they they really took into consideration her wishes. And it's written by black women, and it's directed by a black woman, and it's mm-hmm. just you know it just it feels mm-hmm. very personal and special. And I mean, it's and it's very like and I mean, we Aretha Franklin was very big on like civil rights. Like you know, she knew Martin Luther King. She's mm-hmm. like she sang for him. Like you know, because wow. her father was friends mm-hmm. with him and stuff like that. So, so it was very much for civil rights. And Liesl, mm-hmm. um, said that she she took a lot of that from her own history of coming from like apartheid South Africa and that kind of thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and how that sort of plays into it. It's it's very interesting. Like. You know, it's a kind of experience that that, yeah. that 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 you know we've had, and obviously, you know, other you know black people in countries such as US who have dealt with civil rights have mm. have um have had like had to deal with, and now she's also going to do the the film adaptation of of Trevor Noah's book, um, Born a Crime. Yeah, so she's oh, directing that as amazing. well. So she's like she's really doing amazingly and. Um, like yeah. a colored girl from Cape Town, who's yes. And, um, when when it is came it out coming on out? Friday in cinemas? Yeah, oh, amazing. I mean, for us in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, in South Africa. <laughs> yes, it came out on Friday. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. So um, so yeah. Um, because obviously a lot of the films were delayed, but this one I think it came out around the world. Friday, yeah, Same because releasing. obviously when the cinemas That's were closed here because of lockdown, we like a lot of movies got shifted, but this one did not. But yeah, so yeah. so here's our interview with Liesl Tommy. Okay, hi, I'm Karen from What's IGN Crashing On podcast. It's so nice to meet you. It's a pleasure, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I've been following your career. Um, and it's been amazing to see a colored girl from Cape Town just doing the things. Um, we're so proud of you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very, very touched and honored. So so what is it like being back home? Um, it's amazing. I haven't been home since 2016, which is a very long time for me. And I was getting to that point. If you don't, if I don't come home often enough, you just get this like hollow feeling inside of you. I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. And it was like very, very hollow, like big hole. And so mm. um, we kind of just very quickly made this trip happen because I'm in the midst of, you know, a lot of press. But they all knew that making sure I did South African press was really, really important to me. So, um, you know, the studio made sure that it, that we could make it happen. Mm. And I'm really, really happy 
Um, I've been, you know, I, I, I checked into a hotel just to make sure that I quarantined, even though I'm, you know, I have vaccines and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's been pretty funny because my auntie's cousins and parents have been coming every day. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> and yesterday, one cousin came in the morning with cook sisters, and then another cousin came in the afternoon with salomis, and then another cousin came in the evening with more cook sisters. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yesterday was a very colored day. <laughs> Sounds amazing. (laughs) Okay, so on to the film. Um, Obviously, it's like well known that Aretha Franklin wanted Jennifer Hudson to play her. So was casting the role like extremely easy? Um, Did you feel as if she had a special connection to Aretha because of this? Yeah, so, you know, Aretha chose Jennifer. Mm. Um, there was no question that that's who she wanted to play her in the film. And, you know, once I met Jennifer, I understood completely why Aretha said that, because yes, she has an extraordinary voice. Yes. She is sort you know, sort of like mm. one of the, the people that can, you know, hit all of those notes that Aretha can hit, but there's also something about Jennifer. She has a like real emotional depth and she's, mm. you know, she's led a life that's had triumphs, but also tragedies. And you can feel that. Um, and I think Aretha knew exactly who should play her for many reasons, not just vocally, you know, she knew that what would really be required to play her would be someone who's really lived and, Mm. um, and has enormous humanity and Jennifer has that. So like, um, in the film, so civil rights was a really big part of, of Aretha Franklin's life. And um, there were great moments with her standing up for Angela Davis, her friendship with Martin Luther King. And obviously, as Africans, we know the importance of fighting for racial equality. So why do you think this was an important aspect to include in the film? And did your background being a South African play into that? Absolutely. You know, I everything that I do has um, a political, you know, undertone or overtone, you know, mm-hmm. growing up during apartheid, having you know, coming from a community where activism was very much a part of it, you know, you get that imprinted into who you are at a young age, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's never not a part of the stories that I tell. And Aretha, that's one thing that she and I had in common. She grew up in a state, in a similar household. Her father was, um, you know, an activist minister and he was, you know, a mentor to Martin Luther King. And so she just, grew up hearing all that stuff as did I and so I it just felt like she was a child hearing that and then she became an adult um who was always an activist and an artist and that's you know how I think of my myself and so that that was important to me um to include because that stuff you know it's um for some people it's optional and for some others of us it's not optional it's who we are yeah and um, so the church is also something that was important to her. Like, so was it difficult to display like the ups and downs of her faith? Like, you know, when she was all in and when mm. she didn't feel it anymore. So was that difficult to portray? I thought that was, you know, an important part. So when I pitched the film to the studio, you know, when I w- they were still interviewing um, people, that was the kind of big part of it. I thought it should begin in the church and should end in the church, you know, mm. but because one of the things that sometimes happens is once you become a celebrity, sometimes you forget who you really are. You forget your roots, Um, you know, and for her, her faith was um, everything to her. But when she hit her dark, 
you know, her dark moments, her faith was a little further away than it had been in the past, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. I thought tracking that journey was something that um, everybody could relate to, even if you're not religious, just like, you know, Mm -hmm. being true to yourself, being truly connected to who you are is a journey that we all go through, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter whether you're wealthy, you're poor, you're successful, you're a normal person, everyone can relate to the journey of staying true to who you are and who Mm. you're meant to be. And I think that probably also adds into why she's the queen of soul, because Mm. she knew her soul. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things I, when making the film, I had to really say to myself, what does soul mean? What does it mean to be the queen of soul? What is soul to you know, us and what was sold to her. Um, And that really helped me kind of anchor the work that I did with Tracy Scott Wilson, the screenwriter into, you know, into figuring out like, what is the story we're telling about a woman Mm. who's called the queen of soul? You know, so so going on to that, like, it's amazing that it was written by a black woman, directed by a black woman. Is that like, I mean, I know you spoke about like, you know, adding that political aspect, but like, it's important to you to see the type of diversity behind the scenes as well. Absolutely. It's essential. You know, there's no point in being, you know, being given the privilege of leadership and then just making sure you're the only one who looks like you in that. Mm. That's then like, what are you doing? Who are you? You know, that's just, that's shocking to me. So, you know, Tracy, the the screenwriter who, um, who I brought on, she and I, she wrote a play called The Good Negro about the civil rights, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it was one of the first kind of big professional um, directing jobs that I had. So she and I are old, old friends. And she, when she was running that play, because it was about race in America, the civil rights movement, um, I invited her to come down to Cape Town for, you know, to write for a while. And we stayed at my parents' place, you know, um, and we went to Robben Island and, um, at the time, my dad, he's an urban planner, um, and, you know, we would go to different, you know, sort of iconic sites of mm-hmm. um, during of places and things that happened during the struggle in Cape Town. You know, so we spent a lot of time just speaking about politics and the, the lives of Black people there and here. And so when it was time to hire a writer for this project, I knew, you know, who the right person was. And also we have a long friendship and, um, you know, and loyalty is really important to me, so... Mm-hmm. And another thing I also noticed, like coming from women, like, I mean, a lot has been written about Rita's relationship with her father, with Ted White, with Jerry Wexler, but there was a lot of importance played on, on like the female relationships in her life, like her sisters, like her mother, her grandmother, Dinah Washington. So um, like, and then how that anchored her. So, you know, like, is did that sort of form part of your thought process? Absolutely. Because, you know, the other thing is these kinds of movies, in the past were always written and directed from the male gaze, mm. the white male gaze, you know, that's who has had access to those writing jobs and the, those directing jobs. And so, you know, the question I always have is like, what does it look like when it's, when the creator is a black woman and a story about black women? And, you know, I think that we, we women, our, our, our sisterhood friendships are so key yeah. to who we are, um, you know, and so if, you know, a, a movie written and directed by a man, you know, patriarchy is living. So they, you know, they were, they're going to think, oh, when she's at a turning point and she needs guidance, it's going to come from a man. Like, obviously it has to come mm. from a man. But honestly, in my life, and certainly in Tracy's life, 
when you've really, you know, had those like come to Jesus moments, it's usually been an auntie or a best girlfriend or your mom or, you know, like that's who Mm. you go to. You don't go to like, I don't, I don't go to any uncles for romantic advice. That's for sure. You know, (laughs) so (laughs) and I love my uncles, you know what I mean? But so that's the thing is like those, those people who really, were you know guided her in p- pivotal moments mm. in this film or women because that's what our experience is yeah and what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned from aretha and the story that on this journey you've been on um ask for producer credit honey that's the biggest <laughs> lesson that i've learned from aretha <laughs> no seriously just make sure that you you know that you 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 are you if you're doing more than just being an artist if you're also part of the Mm -hmm. creation and the producing then make sure that you don't um let yourself be taken advantage of Mm, perfect so what is the most challenging scene to film but definitely the most intimidating scene scenes were the big concert scenes like the ones that were in a massive stadium um and you know just because it was you know so many people background the band the backup singers you know and it was just also technically where we had the huge you know the biggest equipment the Mm. the cranes and all that stuff so it's also those are very expensive days so everybody's just hovering over you going like you know this is an expensive day hey like are you gonna (laughs) get it done in time so (laughs) those are definitely the most you know the high pressure um days and um but also you know because you're super prepared like you you can't Mm. fail on those days that's those are the big tests right of yourself as a qualified director um so we were definitely over prepared and those days were also really fun they were the most intimidating but also the the most fun because it was like the coolest equipment and, you know, like we shot respect that, you know, on a day like that. And so just so amazing to hear those songs sung, you mm. know, on set. Okay. So my final question, um, what is your favorite Aretha song? Ain't No Way, which is a song that I've included in the, in the movie. Yeah. And I, I definitely feel like that sequence, the Ain't No Way sequence is probably the sequence that I love the most because it's Mm. it just there's a lot of levels of storytelling happening a lot of people's kind of point of view is happening and to me it sort of speaks to what you can do with music and storytelling and the way I shot it um is just it's it's not the flashiest it's probably the most intimate but it's the one that I feel like is the most most me moment in the film Hey, Liesl, thank you so much. This was amazing. And Thanks, Karen. Thank you I'm so much. I'm so glad that we could do it. My pleasure. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your, your trip. I will. Thanks so much. That was our interview with Liesl Tommy. You can watch Respect in cinemas nationwide, I think worldwide, but in South Africa, definitely nationwide right now. Um. So before we head out for this week, let's talk about what we've been crushing on. Um, we can start with Leanne. Leanne, what have you been crushing on this week? I've been crushing on AP mm-hmm. Bio. It's on Netflix. It is 
hilarious and weird and wonderful. Um, so yeah, been crushing on that. And also finished season six of My Dad Wrote a Porno podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that was hilarious, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. And Eurobix? Um, I I'm super delayed, but I started watching Startup um, with Otmara Marrero and Adam Adam Brody and Edie Kategi. I got the names there. I googled it. Um, but yeah, my memory is amazing. No, um, but it's I've I've gotten so into it that I've been having um, like dreams slash nightmares mainly dreams about being part of like a gang and being chased by chased down by gangs because of my you know my ability to code I can't <laughs> 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 yeah. but it's so good that like it takes you into it's such a good series I've been in I've been so into it that I've like my mind has felt as I was part of it enough mm. for my for it to make movies at night time in my in my brain. <laughs> It's so cool. And you carry on? So um, I haven't obviously been watching a lot, but um, my family and I, as we sit together at night, we, we started watching Superstore from the beginning. And I've spoken about Superstore so much on this podcast that I'm sure anyone listening mm-hmm. will be like, I have Via. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, but it's, it's my, my brother-in-law, I'm obviously my parents, had never seen it. And we, we like, it's just funny and it's, it has something for everybody and it's a little moments in between that people find funny. And like my mom said it, it what it reminded her of, not the show, but like us sitting was like in the eighties when, you know, when they would, you could just watch one channel and she's like, we'd all get together mm-hmm. at night and watch Cosby show. And that was like everybody's oh. favorite show. And the other kind like, I mean, I suppose all sitcoms do, but like the broad appeal of, of of super slow just has that's and it's also like it just always cheers you up and like you know mm. there's a kind of joy to it so we've been watching that and um a, well a cinema movie that i really enjoyed was the suicide squad which um i wasn't a big fan of the mm. first one i'm not the biggest dc fan um i did mm. like birds of prey but um you know, I, I like the, sh- the movies as in like, oh my word, I like this right now. And then I forget about it after a while. It doesn't stick with me the way other movies do. But um, your The Suicide Squad, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it in like a month's time. But I had such a joy watching it. <laughs> like it was, it shocked me. It made me laugh. There's a scene with like um, the one guy is scared of rats and the, the girl in there summons rats or she can control rats. And then, and then the, the dad keeps wanting to make friend with, friends with the guy that doesn't like him. And then she was like, she's like, yeah, he's offering you a leaf. And he's like, what the F must I do with a leaf? It's, it's so logical because you're like, what is he going to do with a leaf? <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it was really funny and, and distracting and. Yeah, and, and like heart-wrenching at some points. Not too heart-wrenching. Huh. But I mean, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So if you go into the cinema and, you look, wow. and you're looking for a film to watch, you know, there's respect if you're looking for a, a drama and a good biopic about someone we all look up to. Or if you're looking for something that's batshit and like <laughs> violent and just crazy, then The Suicide Squad, that's what I recommend. 
awesome. So yeah, that's all from us this week. Let us know, like WhatsApp us, send us a voice note on WhatsApp and tell us what's your comfort movie or series, seeing that we told you ours. So you can WhatsApp Crushing On at at 078-362-2566. Or if you're international, plus 27-78-362-2566. Everything discussed today will be in the show notes. Um, yeah. Me, you can find at Karen Walby on Instagram, at Karen Walby's on Twitter, and sign up for my newsletter, Wild Streams, at wildstreams.substack.com. The podcast can be found at, at Crushing On Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at What IGN's Crushing On on YouTube. And you can find more information about this and all our other episodes at our website, crushingonpodcast.com. And send any feedback to mail at crushingonpodcast.com. Send us voice notes at plus two seven seven eight three six two two five six six. Join our Facebook group, Crushing On Club, where we chat about the show, celebrity news, recommendations, the whole shebang. The show is produced by me, Karen, and Rebecca Barchers. The show is edited and engineered by Rebecca Barchers, or admin is done by Leanne Philipson. Our logo was designed by Nathifa Maruf, and the show was created in partnership with IGN Africa. If you like the show, tell everyone that you can, any way that you can. Keep up to date with all of our episodes by subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate and review the episodes on Apple Podcasts, as it helps others find the show. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another in-depth conversation with another pop culture lover. See you then.